Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, the Director of Broadcast and Media Outreach here at First Baptist. With me, as always, is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me yet again and for preparing what's going to be a really engaging podcast. I think this is really going to be helpful. Before we get going today, I'm going to read the verses that we're going to be talking about. So in your previous sermon, you talked about James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So today our first question will be about wisdom. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Is it that simple? Do we just ask God for wisdom and then become wise? Well, that's a great question, and I think within the context of the passage, we, we think about our attitude toward God. So James is talking about facing trials. He's talking about suffering, and in that context, he says if you need wisdom, which is always the case, but particularly in trials, we need wisdom. How do we navigate uh, this obstacle that's in front of us? The attitude of a believer's heart is to go to the Lord and say, I am outside of my pay grade. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Please help. And so I think that he's talking about an overall attitude of, I will go to the Lord when I am in need of anything, but particularly in this case, when I am in need of wisdom. What that means, though, is that it's not that I just say a prayer and then boom, I have the answer. It's that the attitude of my life is submissive to God to say, Lord, what do you say? Here. So the way that I kind of play this out in my everyday life, um, Pastor David Tooley and I kind of talk about this all the time. It's, are we doing the right things in the right way with the right heart? So that if I'm deciding, particularly in a stressful situation, I may not know the right thing to do, but I can go to the other end of that spectrum and say, what is my heart? Is my heart to glorify God, to honor him and to bless the people around me? Uh, am I doing whatever I feel like I'm called to do in the right way? In other words, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do just about everything. So am I doing it with the right heart to honor God and bless people? Am I doing it in the right way? I'm not breaking any laws or I'm not breaking any sort of moral code. And then that helps us get to what is the thing I need to do? Um, so it's an overall attitude that says I am in submission to God and he is all-wise, he is all-knowing, and I will seek his will for this moment and his wisdom for this moment. Um, he's given us his word whereby we can uh, receive exactly what he would say, and he doesn't always tell us exactly what to do. So, for example, the Bible doesn't tell me to brush my teeth, but part of glorifying God is being a good steward of the body that God has given me, and Modern science has taught us that it's good if you take some toothpaste and put it on a toothbrush and you scrub your teeth really good and you do that a few times a day. So again, I've got the right heart. I'm submissive to God. 
I've got the right way. I'm listening to, to wisdom and then I'm doing the right thing. So that's kind of how I approach that. So it's not that, that I say, God, give me wisdom. And all of a sudden the answer comes immediately. Um, Sometimes, sometimes God's wisdom cuts through a lot of noise. Uh, sometimes stopping and praying that prayer, saying, Lord, I'm in need of wisdom right now. Please help. Um, that puts me in a framework to evaluate my situation from God's perspective. And what does God say about this in his word? How is his spirit leading me by applying his word in my life for this situation? And um, what's the next step I need to take? So the answer to the question is yes and no. Uh, we pray for wisdom. Does God give it? He does. Um, is it always instantaneous and remarkably clear as in the clouds part and there's a text message that appears in the sky? No. Um, but God has given us his word. God has given us his spirit. And through his spirit, by his word, uh, he teaches us what should be our next step. So it's almost like you're not receiving, like you're saying, a text message in the sky. It's almost like you're stepping into the right framework and being within that framework, you can understand your surroundings better. Yeah, that's right. And and you can understand the lay of the land better. Uh, Tommy Nelson, who's a pastor down in Texas, describes it this way. He says, you know, if you've got the, if you've got the Bible, that's the map. But we have the Holy Spirit who then takes the map and puts it right where we are. It puts us in the map and says, go right, go left, and that sort of a thing. And so I, I find that to be a really helpful illustration because I've gotten into a place where whenever I drive, I'm plotting my course and allowing my phone to lead me there. Well, same sort of thing. I read God's word and the spirit of God is within me to lead me along the way. Yeah. In talking about this, it reminds me of the story of Solomon asking for wisdom from God. It, I was just reading it. It's, he asks God for wisdom as a king and God is impressed by that and he gives it to him. And then immediately Solomon wakes up from this vision then immediately the next verse is a judgment that he has to make. He has this difficult case before him with two women and a child that both of them are claiming. And it doesn't say that he was given the right answer from God. It's just that he makes a decision and then it's deemed to be wise because he was in God's framework moving under God's spirit. That's right. And it all started with Solomon's willingness to submit himself to God, to say, this is too big for me. God, I need your help. Uh, I need your wisdom, and I know that you're the only one who can give it. So he seeks God humbly and receives God's blessing and then is able to function in that blessing by making a decision that was, that was shown to be wise. So I think you're exactly right. Now, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. In asking God for wisdom, sometimes we will receive insight or sometimes we will have a direction that we know we need to go in, but sometimes we don't. If we don't get a clear direction from God, does that mean that our faith is faltering or that we have doubt? Well, that's a great question as well. So if I don't get an immediate answer to my prayer, which in this case is for wisdom, does that mean that my faith is not enough? Does that mean that I am, am entrenched in doubt? And I don't think that's the case at all. I think God answers prayers in one of three ways. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says, wait, because he is the omniscient, all-knowing God of the cosmos, and he is able to see how all the pieces of the puzzle 
fit together. Uh, we don't even have the box top of the puzzle to know what we're shooting for. God sees it all. And so there are times when he answers our prayer in the affirmative, and he does so quickly. Um, and I always enjoy those times. There are times when he answers our prayer negatively, and he does so quickly. And frankly, I don't enjoy those times as much because when God says no, it's still receiving a no, and I'm not a big fan of receiving a no. But I think probably the most excruciating of all of God's answers is that we would wait. And it's just now is not the time for the answer to come. And sometimes God does that because he's protecting us from a situation. Sometimes God does that because he is growing us and teaching us by experience to persevere in prayer. You know, when Jesus says, ask and seek and knock, particularly when he says knock, that is a persistent motion. And in Luke, um, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray by saying, uh, continue asking, continue seeking, continue knocking. And he talks about prayer in terms of a neighbor going to a neighbor's house in the middle of the night. And because of the neighbor who is knocking on the door, his impudence and his persistence, the, the other neighbor who's already in bed gets up and grants his requests. And so Jesus even teaches us to be persistent in prayer. And sometimes I believe God calls us to wait because he's teaching us to be persistent, to be patient, but also to continue coming to him. Uh, and so just because I don't get the answer I need in the moment, it doesn't mean that God has tuned me out or that I don't have enough faith or that God is ignoring me altogether. It just may mean that God is trying to grow me in a different way. Absolutely. And I love that last bit about growing. It it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Jewish thought on the patriarchs and matriarchs waiting for the birth of their children. Mm -hmm. Abraham and Sarah waited a very long time for Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah had to wait a long time for Jacob and Esau. There's an idea that, in some sense, God had them wait because He wanted to hear their prayers and wanted to hear the progression of their prayers and their yearning for children. It's like they had to come to Him not just in prayer, but they had to come closer and closer to him over the years so that they became who they would become through prayer. That's a great point, because I would argue that Isaac and Rebecca uh, or Abraham and Sarah weren't yet ready to be the parents they needed to be to the children that God would give to them uh, as they were before the waiting. Wow. And so many times in our lives— we're not yet where we need to be to carry out the calling to which God has called us, and so we have to wait. And part of the ways in which God grows us, that he refines us, as we talked about before, he refines us by forcing us to just wait and to wait on him and to persist in prayer. And in that process, we become who we need to be to take that next step. So the flip side of wisdom would be doubt. So James says, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That sounds pretty intense. What kind of doubt is he describing? Is it just all doubt of any size or is it something in particular? I think really what he's discussing is uh, if you picture a fan, we're, we're recording this in August. It's still pretty warm. And in my garage, I have an oscillating fan. And it just goes from side to side. And that's the image that comes to my mind, this, this oscillation, this 
looking for God's way, but then looking for another way. I am looking for what God has to say about it, but then if I don't like that or if I'm not sure about that, then I go to what the world has to say or what my gut has to say or what my friend has to say uh, who's not coming from a godly perspective. And so it's this vacillation, really, that um, you know James uses the, the word double-minded, that I want to trust and follow Jesus, but I also... I'm so desperate for my situation to go in a, in a favorable way for me that I'll try whatever I can. If that's Jesus, that's great. If it's anything else, I'll try that too. And that's not the way we are ever called to come to the Lord. You know, I just celebrated my anniversary. So for 17 years, my wife and I have been married. And in our marriage, I can't say, well, right now I'm committed to you, but tomorrow there's this other girl that I'd like to talk to, but then I come back and right now I'm committed. And throughout the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, we see this theme that our devotion to God must be pure. So if I am turning to God and turning away and turning to God and turning away, then one, I'm not honoring God with my life, but two, I am missing out on God's... Um, ability to grow me through difficulties by his wisdom. So the doubt that, that James is talking about here specifically is kind of like <laughs> it expresses itself like the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Remember, Jesus says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so the idea is... God doesn't call us to be kind of Christian. He doesn't call us to kind of trust and follow him. He calls us to be uh, wholeheartedly devoted to him and to trust him enough to follow him in his way. That makes me think of the passages about putting a lamp under a bed or something like that. It's like, why would you even have a lamp to, and put it under a bed? Because then what, what use is it? You've got light, but it's in darkness. Like, what, what are you doing? You're not doing one or the other. That's right. That's exactly right. And unfortunately, it has become um, wide, widely acceptable for people to be Christian to some degree, um, that my faith is some sort of component of my life instead of the, the foundation or the center of my life. And when Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, he means wholeheartedly with all of who we are to trust and follow him. Wow. So now we're going to end with our final question. This is a listener submitted question, and it's a bit of a doozy. Was John the Baptist a Baptist? That is such a great question. Um, and so let me answer by saying, in terms of the denomination of Christians that really had its roots in the 16th or 17th century, no. <laughs> um, however, um, so did John baptize people by immersion? I would argue yes, because the word baptize means to immerse. So John was a Baptist insofar as he immersed people into the Jordan River. Um, did he believe God's word to be true? Well, clearly, yes. So he was coming, um, we know, in the spirit and power of Elijah, but to proclaim the coming of God's Messiah— who had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament. So did he believe God's word to be true? Sure. Baptists believe God's word to be true. Um, did he trust Je and follow Jesus Christ as Lord? Yes. 
not perfectly. We all know in Matthew 11, he, he had that moment when he's imprisoned and he sends messengers to Jesus and says, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who was to come? Or should we look for somebody else? And all of us have had moments when in suffering, we might struggle with, uh, is this really it? Um, but insofar as <laughs> We're called the First Baptist Church. We are a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is one among many churches that hold to a general um, descriptor of being Baptist. No, John the Baptist was not Baptist in the same sense. However, I do think that uh, that a lot of the things that Baptists really value, um, and remember, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I came to the Baptist faith when I was 22 years of age. Um, I think that a lot of those things um, are common between us and John the Baptist. Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you so much for these answers. I've gotten a lot out of it, and I'm sure the listeners have. Would you mind praying us out? Yes, sir. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you that we can come to you and seek your wisdom anytime. We pray that we would be the kind of people whose posture toward you is one of belief one of faith, recognizing that you are God and we are not. Help us bring every one of our struggles to you. Help us seek your wisdom for everything we go through and help us trust you enough to follow as you provide your guidance through your word and by your spirit. And we pray that as we do so, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives and that people around us would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel and submit a question to the link in our show notes. For even more First Baptist content, visit firstbaptistbg.org.